This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Plenty of places to go. Plenty of places to start. We had a full scoreboard, and it was great last night because my wife was out, so I just sat there and just watched hockey nonstop, basically from the time I got home from the Michael K. Show at a little bit after 8 o'clock until uh, the Vegas... Uh, Chicago Blackhawks game uh, zeroed out. So I got to watch a lot of hockey bouncing around, which sometimes is tough because you can't really get a full gist of everything. But I wanted to be able to watch as much as I could. And the impressions from last night, first of all, the destination had to be Pittsburgh and Edmonton, right? Two of the best players in the National Hockey League going up against each other. And just when you think it's going to be this explosion of goals and offense, it ends up being a 2-1 to victory in overtime for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But certainly the Stars did not disappoint. Connor McDavid gets his fourth goal of the season with less than three minutes to play to at least get Edmonton into position to take home a point. But what great tic-tac-toe passing between Malkin and Kessel for the game-winning goal, 42 seconds into overtime, and Pittsburgh ends up getting the extra point. Edmonton, again, it's been a struggle for them. They get plenty of opportunities. You know, watching them, they get a ton of shots on goal. You know, last night they had 30. You know, not that that's an inordinate amount. Pittsburgh had 44. Talbot was really good in the game. But you would think with the skill that they have, Dreisaitl is now back, that there's enough skill on the Edmonton Oilers that if they get 30 shots on goal, they should score more than just one. And you could tip your cap to the opposing goaltender only so often. So right now, it just seems structurally they're getting the opportunities, they're doing the things necessary. They're getting killed on face-offs. So that's another thing that has to that has to change. And last night, they only won 38% of them. But it'll come around. I mean, the offense, if they if you tell me when you get players like that, like Maroon, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, you give those guys that many opportunities a game, they're eventually going to score. But um, So you got to like the fact that the opportunities are there. They just have not been able to finish. Uh, Islanders with a 5-3 win over the Coyotes. Coyotes continue to be the only team not to win a game this season, 0-8-1. I'm going to get the chance to see them firsthand tomorrow when they're at the Garden. Uh, they played well in this one. You really cannot kill them. They were they were very good offensively. Uh, they just don't have the goaltending right now. But Duclair gets his second goal uh, of the year. Um, that got them off and running. But the show, the conversation has to be John Tavares, who picks up the hat trick and gets a four-point game. And he was on the ice late. They were trying to see if they can get get him that fourth goal. The Islanders had a power play late to see if he could earn that fifth point or get that fourth goal. Uh, couldn't do it, but uh, John Tavares was really impressive last night with the hat trick, and they needed every bit of it in order to get that extra point, to get those two points, and the Islanders now 5-3-1, and one, quietly starting to creep up the standings a bit. Uh, a little bit of a shaking of the head of the Philadelphia Flyers, right? They're home, they're going up against the Duck team that has really been the de- def- definition of average this year, and they just get steamrolled. Uh, Kasha gets a couple of goals for uh, the Edmonton, uh, for the uh, Anaheim Ducks, so he, he has now three on the season. Getzloff gets his first of the year, so despite getting the first tally of the game, the Ducks come up with, uh, what was it, uh, five unanswered goals and just end up steamrolling uh, to a um, comfortable 6-2-2 victory over the Philadelphia Flyers, which I thought that game would be a little bit more competitive than it actually was. The other game that was highlighted last night with the Lightning beating the Hurricanes 5-1, to we talked about it on the podcast last night. Nice test for the Carolina Hurricanes, who just have not played as many games as everybody else. That was just their seventh game last night, and Tampa playing in their tenth 
So you just see that there was like a, just a difference, a discrepancy in the games played, why Carolina wasn't technically a playoff team. And please do not be distracted by the fact that the game, the game was 5-1. This was a very, very uh, competitive game. Slavin again scores a goal, his second of the year. And that came early in the third to make it 2-1, to one, and it stayed that way. And then the final three minutes of the game, uh, Nemestikov, Callahan, and Kucherov get goals in, the, in, in blowout fashion to make it look like that game was not competitive, but it still was very, very competitive. And, of course, Kucherov continues to supply the offense as uh, he extends his his streak now to 10 games with a point, getting his 11th goal of the season. You think of the players that you would think that by the time we played – um, October 25th hockey, that there would be an 11-goal score and that it would be Kucherov. Uh, Nikita Kucherov would be the guy. That it wouldn't be Crosby, that it wouldn't be Kane, it wouldn't be Daves, it wouldn't be McDavid, that it would be Kucherov. Just tells you just how good this Lightning team is. And we talked about with EJ earlier in the week. You you give me a team to beat right now in the Eastern Conference, and clearly that's the team. At not at 8-1-1 uh, one one, uh, on Friday when we do our top five, I just have a feeling the Lightning are to be number one. Sabres get a shutout. Good job out of them as they blank the Red Wings, who are starting now to look like the team we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. I thought Detroit would be the bottom feeder of the Eastern Conference. They got off to a quick start, but now one goal in the last uh, two games, the 4-1 loss to Vancouver getting shut out in Buffalo. You're starting to see now signs of Detroit uh, getting maybe – a little bit thinking about the future. That you know, Riley Shahan gets traded away. They got the Athenasiu uh, uh, stuff uh, squared away, but they're beginning to look like the team that's that's certainly rebuilding. How about the Montreal Canadiens? They had scored 12 goals in their first eight games. They get five in the final 40 minutes of the game. They were trailing the Panthers one nothing after one period of play. I watched a lot of this game because I'm preparing for calling the Ranger Canadian game on Saturday. And it just all came together. And I don't know if there's going to be a turning point. You know, you look for those things when you're a team that's struggling. Like, what could be uh, the turning point to kind of get the team going, right? You know, we we were scoreless at the end of one, excuse me. Keith uh, Yandel scores 20 seconds into the second period to make it one nothing. And here we go again. Yandel gets his first of the season. And it's and it's a slog, right? Most of the second period, it's one nothing, And then... The back-to-back power play goals by Golchenyuk and Weber. And then they get the Gallagher goal. So from 16:44 of the second period to 18:19 of the second period, three unanswered goals. So for a team that scored 12 goals in eight games, they scored three goals in a minute and a half. So... If they do turn the corner, and I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do turn the corner, we may look at that little two-minute period late in the second period of when it all put together. They followed it up with Weber's third of the year. Finally, Pacioretty gets a, gets a goal for the Canadians. He gets his second of the season, and it ends up being a 5-1 to one walkover. So let's keep an eye on Montreal. And let's see if that turns out to be anything for them. Maybe the game of the night was in Ottawa. Uh, the Kings coming off their first regulation loss of the year to Toronto the night before. And they're taking on an Ottawa Senators team that 
you know, plays. It seems like every night plays a close game. Uh, Fanuf scores in the first period to tie the game up at one. Nate Thompson gets his second, and that came midway through the third. And it looked like Los Angeles was going to go from being the only team in the league not to lose in regulation to losing in back-to-back days. But Adrian Kempe, who's becoming a nice story for the Los Angeles Kings, we talk so much about Kopitar and why they, the Kings have turned it around and, and the health of Quick. But Kempe's got five goals. He had a hat trick last week. And he gets the goal at 18-14 of the third period. And you figured, okay, they're going to steal a point. And they go to overtime and the shootout. Camilleri gets the first goal, and then Kempe puts it away in round in their fifth opportunity. And it was a gorgeous, gorgeous stick handling uh, to beat Condon for the game-winning goal. So that was a nice win for the Los Angeles Kings. And keep an eye on Kempe. He's been a pleasant surprise. Flames had a nice bounce back after losing to Minnesota to beat the Predators 3-2 to in a shootout. Nashville looked like they turned it around, but now it seems like they're kind of back to that average again, see if they can't find their way. Uh, Canucks are becoming a very interesting story in the National Hockey League as they pick up uh, their fifth victory of the season. So uh, good on um, good on Vancouver as they're starting to play a, a lot better. Again, we've talked about Minnesota chasing goals, but uh, what a great win. Nilsson gets the, um, the shutout for Vancouver. In Minnesota, so that's a nice win for Vancouver. Again, another one of those teams I thought would be a bottom feeder in the Western Conference, and maybe they'll end up being at the end of the day. But uh, that was a nice win. Avalanche get off the schneid with a 5-3 victory over uh, the Dallas Stars. That was a fun game. A lot of offense in that one. Uh, ben gets his fifth of the season, uh, so it looked like they were off and running. But Nieto gets a couple of back-to-back goals to give Colorado uh, the lead. And then they eventually would tack on with Landeskog and Barbario. And then Nieto gets the hat trick uh, as he's able to close it out with a goal into the empty net with four seconds remaining uh, to help uh, the Colorado get uh, off the schneid and pick up a win. So good job out of Matt Nieto, as it was the Matt Nieto show last night for the Avalanche. And then the Golden Knights, a 4-2 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. They continue to pass every test. I'm telling you, I know it's hockey, all right? But this should be one of the big stories around the, uh, the the sports landscape. It's an expansion team that has won seven of their first eight games. And then we thought it was going to be a huge test. St. Louis and Chicago coming to town, and the Golden Knights win both. And really almost don't even break a sweat. Chicago gets the early lead, but then it's four consecutive goals from four different goal scorers for the Golden Knights to go on and win the game. And Kane ends up getting a goal late just cosmetically to make it 4-2. But uh, William Carlson's played well for them. Uh, Belmar gets his first goal of the season. And, of course, as a goal tonight, Marsha Show getting his second goal. It's, it's, a, it's a new hero every night. Earlier in the year, it was James Neal. This is a team that's had goaltender after goaltender after goaltender get hurt. And, hey, they've won seven of their first eight games. The, the fir- Seven of the first eight games ever played by the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm looking forward next week. They're going to be at Madison Square Garden, get a chance to see them live. I've been talking to Dave Gosher, the television play-by-play voice of the Golden Knights, and we're trying to nail down a time. They've got a podcast themselves that they actually record at the same time that I do. And I just got a text from Dave and he is going to come on the podcast tomorrow. So we record at two o'clock. So that's 11 o'clock on the West coast for Vegas. So he just texted me back that that works. So Dave Gosher, former radio play-by-play voice of the Boston Bruins, now doing television for the Vegas Golden Knights will be on the podcast tomorrow. So we'll be able to really dissect and get into 
why exactly is this team so good? I mean, it really blows me away. I'm so happy for them. But, you know, Flurry goes down because originally it was, well, the Golden Knights might steal some games because they got Marc-Andre Flurry. Well, Marc-Andre Flurry gets hurt, and then Subban gets hurt. And you look at their team, and, and maybe not having a, a genuine star is a good thing because because they were able to pick and find depth from different organizations, they found them. They put themselves in a situation where they might be outstanding in any one position, but they do seem to have some depth, and they don't seem to have a lot of weaknesses right now. And again, it's not like they're beating up on on bad teams. I mean, like I said, Chicago, St. Louis, they've they've beaten some really good teams. They played a lot of games at home, so we'll see once they start playing some games on the road whether things are going to change. But I don't know if they're a playoff team. I don't know if they obviously can't sustain this kind of a record. I mean, we're talking about over 100 points would be unbelievable. And they wouldn't be the first expansion team to go to the playoffs because you remember when the league went from six teams to 12 back in, in 67, 68, they put all of the expansion teams in the same division. So that's why you saw teams like the St. Louis Blues go to the final every year because somebody had to go because it was going to be an expansion team. But in the modern era of expansion in any sport, to get off to this kind of a start is just really unbelievable. So congratulations to the Golden Knights. Dave Gosher, their television voice, um, does a great job for them and did a great job for the Boston Bruins back in the day. Uh, he'll join us tomorrow on the podcast to, to further uh, get into this. Uh, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag GameisConduct. Of course, the Rangers continue to be a topic of conversation. Uh, GSM Hockey says he's excited to see the, the Keller step on Domi line tomorrow night, have reason to believe that they will be the best on the ice. So, of course, the Coyotes do have a lot of young players, and it's going to be interesting with Stepan returning to the Garden because uh, that's a trade that right now it looks like the Coyotes have won. Even though they haven't won a game yet, Stepan's playing for them, and D'Angelo was sent down by the Rangers um, yesterday. Uh, that happened after we recorded the podcast. So they had put um, uh, Cracknell on waivers, they sent D'Angelo down. Uh, Boo Nieves has been called up. So they're going to try him at center tomorrow. We saw a little bit of him last year. But Derek Stepan's return to Madison Square Garden should be an emotional one. And there's some good young players on that team, not to mention Duclair, the former Ranger, who also scored a goal for the Coyotes last night. So I am looking forward to that game. Uh, Forever TH says, who is the player you're most impressed with so far this season? It's hard not to say Nikita Kucherov. I, I, Nikita Kucherov is someone that we've looked at. Kind of like Kuznetsov in Washington, right? Like, not quite on the Stamkos tier, not quite on the Ovechkin tier, but a guy that was kind of banging on the door. You know what? He's knocked it down this year with 11 goals. No question he has just been a really, really special player for them. So that's the biggest surprise for me. Not that he's a good player, but that he's turned out to be an absolutely golden player uh, for them. NYR Fanatic says, do you see the Golden Knights cooling down at some point? Well, uh, we talked about it before, and I'm going to look it up right now as I click on to the Golden Knights website to see they have to have, right, a fair amount of road games coming up on their schedule because it seems like every time I watch them play, they seem to be home. And, yeah, they had the back-to-back road games in Dallas and Arizona to start uh, things off, uh, but they've been home. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven consecutive home games. Now they're coming out east. they got the Islanders on Monday, Rangers on Tuesday, at Boston on November 2nd, at Ottawa, then back-to-back games the following week at Toronto, at Montreal, before they return home to take on Winnipeg. There's where you're going to really see. Never mind the opponents, but we're talking about one, two, three, four, five, a six-game road trip, 
Of those six games, Toronto's really good. Ottawa's really good. So Boston's starting to come around a little bit. That is going to be, I think, where we're going to really see where this team is at, how they can do on the road. Bill Lewis says, during five-on-three penalty kills, Zeke has broke his stick. Can first guy out of the box bring both sticks and hand one to Sezekis? It's a great question. I don't believe they can, because because the guy coming out of the box would have two sticks. You can't. I don't, I don't believe you can. I'll ask around, Bill, but I I, I would think that that would be illegal. Uh, John says everyone's asking for AV to be gone, but would that really change personnel decisions on the ice? Well. I think the Rangers do a lot of things organizationally. I don't think it's just A.V. thinking out of the box that I'm going to have four different defensive pairings with McDonough. Um, It's the organization's decision, I think, to play seven defensemen while they're looking for that extra fourth center. Um, We talked about it yesterday, John. I don't see a lot of coaching problems with this team. I see a lot of talent problems with this team, not being able to finish. They're putting themselves in very good positions, but to me, guys got to go out there and they've got to finish. Now, do they have special offensive players? No, they don't have special offensive players, but could a guy like Nash finish more? Could a guy like Hayes finish more? Certainly, Kreider, who had 27 goals last year, could certainly finish uh, a lot better than he has so far this year. Uh, Ryan says, Arizona at the New York Islanders. I'll take the two. Yotes are a fast team with sparse structure. Come to um, come at you from from all over. Good luck, Rangers. Yeah, they're a good team because Keller's a good young player. Duclair's a good young player. Domi's a good young player. They just haven't been able to figure out their goaltending. That's the problem with the Coyotes right now is that uh, Ranta has gotten hurt. Uh, Deming certainly isn't a guy that can pick up the slack. But they've got talent. And if they get some decent goaltending with a Ranger team that is struggling offensively, I'll tell you, I'm not calling for anybody's head. I don't think anybody should be fired with the New York Rangers, but it is going to be very difficult to get up from giving the Coyotes their first victory of the season. I mean, that's a game that the Rangers really do have to win on Thursday. Uh, Sam Diaz says, what do you think about Bishop being pulled with 36 minutes left in a game and only down one goal? Hitchcock said it was a wake-up call. Well, it had to be. They were playing poorly. I mean, sometimes you, you, especially Hitch, you know, he likes to think outside the box. Sometimes you pull a goaltender, not by the way they're playing, but you want to shake the rest of the team up. Um, Bishop's a really good goaltender, uh, but sometimes it's not even the the level of well we're we're down three goals we've got to pull the goaltender. Sometimes it's a wake up call for the rest of the team, and it it kind of worked. They hung around there, but there's just too much for the Avalanche last night. Uh, Chris H says Ranger fan here, but talk enough about them. Can Vegas really keep up all year? When do you come back to earth, if at all, or when do they come back to earth? As we said, Chris, certainly that six-game home stand, a road trip that they're going to go on, I think, is going to be the wake-up call. And, and I'm not saying they can't be a good and a surprise team, but, I mean, you won seven out of eight. Not too many teams can do that. I mean, that's that's Tampa territory. That's Toronto territory, certainly. But look what's happening with New Jersey, right? They get off to a tremendous start, winning six of their first eight games, doing it with a lot of kids surprising some people. But sustaining it over an 82-game schedule, that's a completely different story. So I think that'll be the wake-up call for them. We'll have Dave Gosher on tomorrow to talk more about it. But I think that will be the interesting test for them. Not Again, not that the Islanders and the Rangers and the Bruins and the Canadians and the, and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators are, are unbeatable. It's just the fact that you're on the road. And you're playing on the East Coast as well. So that should be uh, interesting. Kyle says, Rangers, Mika Zibanejad has seven points. 
but is a minus eight on the year. Safe to call him an elite second liner. Yeah. I think we knew going into the season that Zabanajad was going to be a bit of a stretch as a number one center. But he has supplied a decent amount of offense where you can't kill him for that. He's got seven points. He's among the leaders on the team with Miller. But I think if you know hockey, you realize that Zabanajad is a really nice player. But a top-line center, it's tough to say that he's on that level. Uh, Michael Silver says, do you think A.V. is icing his most optimal lineup? If not, please explain what you do differently with lines and D pairs. Uh, I think he's doing the best that he can. Smith is coming along. Looked like he came into camp a bit out of shape. Now he's rounded into where he is the top pairing. All right? So you've got your defense where you want it to be. But he's looking for answers with his forwards. And he doesn't have enough centers. He doesn't have four centers. Dayarnay is a fourth-line center, but he's forced to be a third-line center. Zabanajad is a second-line center. He's forced to be a first. Hayes is probably not a second-line center, and you don't have a fourth-line center. So what do you do with Grabner and Bushnevich? They've got nobody to play with. So they're short players. That's why I don't really believe that this is a coaching problem. I believe that this is a problem with this team having the right players in the right spots. And guys have to learn how to play better. We got a couple of tweets from Courtney, who's a big fan of the show. How much of an impact do you think Boo will have with the Rangers, and why not give uh, Heedle another chance? Well, Heedle did sustain an injury over the weekend. And he's young, and he did look out of place earlier in the year. And Nieves has been with the team before, so I think he definitely deserves this opportunity. And she also says, not game misconduct related, but just wanted to say, Mom is better and out of the hospital. Thanks for the thoughts and prayers. Anybody that tweets at me or listens to this podcast, I can I consider part of my family. So the fact that your mom was ill, easy to pray for, easy to hope that she does a better job So um, with her health and, and, and moving in the right path. So I'm so happy to hear, Courtney, that she's doing better, and we're going to continue to think about her as well here on the podcast. Uh, Ryan says, what do you make if Steven Stamkos returns so far? Well, guy hadn't played since last November. He's been overshadowed by Kucherov, but Stamkos is still a major part of the maturation process of that. I think he has been fine. I think he's going to be even better. Brett Ludstick says, maybe Gabrick, but still, oh, let's see, oh, he starts, he has a second one here. Dom. You're correct. It's partly due to not having enough talent. Rangers need a sniper. Haven't had one since Messier years. Maybe Gabrick, but still not enough. They need to do something about center one. Still think A.V. should go, though. But why do you think he should go? Well, just because you want to punish someone for the bad start? See, I think that's the way fans are, is that you're so mad that the team is off to the slow start and you want somebody to pay for it. But would it be the right move? Let's look to Montreal last year. Michelle Therrien had done a great job, had that team to the conference final in 2014. They fire him because the Canadians looked like they were lost. Claude Julien takes over. Uh, the team makes the playoffs, but they get bounced in the first round by the Rangers. So Michelle Therrien could have done that. So it wasn't a coaching problem. It's a talent problem. That's why there's legitimate conversation that they're going to trade the GM in Montreal or they're going to fire him and Mark Bergevin. So do you think that A.V., do you think things are going to change? Lindy Ruff, he's part of the staff. If you've got a problem with this team, he's part of the staff. 
Now, you want to bring somebody else in just for the sake of bringing somebody else in? I guess you could fall on the sword of it's his fifth year. They're not paying attention to him. They're not listening to him. And maybe one day the Rangers will decide that he's going to be gone. It's a transient position anyway. None of these guys seem to keep the job all that long. But you watch the team, Brett. Do you really think it's a coaching situation? Do you think maybe they come up just a little light talent-wise? At least right now. Five-minute major. How about those Golden Knights? One of the true feel-good stories of the NHL. Plus, their Twitter is hilarious. Absolutely. We talked about it before on Game Misconduct. The fact that they have handled social media and the decision to bring in um, uh, George McPhee and uh, Gerard Gallant, tremendous decision before they even stepped on the ice, and I'm really uh, happy for them. Um, I wanted to bring this up, and I'm going to tweet out the picture of this so you can see it. So at Don LaGreca, at some point today after the podcast is up, go to my Twitter handle, and I will have this picture up. As most of you may not know, I grew up a Devil fan. I grew up in New Jersey, and that's where I really fell in love with hockey in the mid-'80s, going to Devil games. And... I have a poster that I found at my house. I'm cleaning out a room in my house, and I found a lot of Don LaGreca artifacts. And I put together there, – there's this um, – I, I found it folded up in a box someplace. It's a, it's a devil's poster. I want to say from like the 87, 88, or 88, 89 season. So it's got a picture of all the different players in boxes. So I guess over time, over like a two- or three-year period after I had a poster up in my room – as the Devils would make a transaction, I would have a post-it note over their picture on the poster of where they went. Example, there's Mark Johnson. Uh, the post-it note says, Mark Johnson retired following the 1990 season. There's a picture of Pat Conacher. Post-it note, Pat Conacher traded to the Kings before the 92-93 season. Um, Bob Solvay. Retired after the 88-89 season. Sean Burke traded to Hartford for Bobby Holik before the 92-93 season. Jack O'Callaghan retired following the 88-89 season. And one of my favorites, Jamie Huscroft. The post-it note says, Jamie Huscroft was sent down following the 1990 season never to return. So uh, I'm going to send the picture out. It's kind of hard to take a picture, but but follow my Twitter. And it's just really cool. Uh, the only guys that don't have a post-it note... Doug Brown, who ended up going to the Detroit Red Wings. Tommy Abilene, who became a coach of the team. And, of course, Ken Danico, who was there forever. John McLean and Bruce Driver. Otherwise, you know, Pat Verbeek traded to Hartford for Zolvain Turgeon. Kurt Muller traded to the Montreal Canadiens for Stefan Richer before 91-92 season. Patrick Sundstrom forced to retire due to injury in 1991. And, of course... The player and the trade that changed all of the fortunes of the Devils back in the day, Tommy Curvers, traded to the Maple Leafs for a first-round pick in 1991. And, of course, that first-round pick became Scott Niedemeyer, and that's all she wrote. So I'm going to take a picture of this. So at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, certainly get your tweets ready. And then Dave Gosher is going to join us tomorrow, the voice of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, to get a sense of where they are and get his thoughts. He's the television play-by-play voice, formerly of the Boston Bruins. And then go to at Don LaGreca to see this poster. It's pretty cool, and it also shows you how anal I was uh, back in the day. So back again tomorrow when we will give you a preview of the Thursday games, recap the games from tonight, and, of course, Dave Gosher will be our special guest. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York.
and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.